want to welcome all of you guys uh, to church today. I know the teachers in the room, all of our educators, just an exciting Sunday uh, just to pray together. Exciting time to start out the year. And I also want to welcome you to the third part of our series we're in called Forgotten Prayers. Uh, and it's actually stirring us up in a pretty good way, I think. I've been blessed to hear from you guys as you begin to pray each of these uh, each week and how God has been moving. But what we've been doing as a church is we've been studying each week of this. We've been studying one prayer a week that I believe are forgotten prayers. And by either choice or circumstance, we have forgotten to pray these. Our prayers have kind of been boiled down uh, into the rote and into the kind of repetition that we just kind of memorized at one time or another in our life. And that's what all of our prayers have become. And so we've been discussing some different prayers, some not so safe prayers, some forgotten prayers that we may have forgotten to pray. So week one, we learned, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's a very forgotten prayer. Oftentimes we don't pray, but it says, and test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That was week one. Last week, we looked at a very forgotten prayer, a very unselfish prayer that Samuel prayed in the Old Testament that basically just said, speak to me, Lord, your servant hears. Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know what you have to say instead of just what I have to say. And today we're going to pray what may be my favorite of the three forgotten prayers. We're going to pray a prayer of availability. So we prayed, search me. We prayed, speak to me. And today we're going to pray a prayer of availability. Because here's what I've noticed. And this is just observation. I can't really prove this. But here's what I've noticed just as a pastor. And that is every week we write in prayer requests. You've seen how we pray over those uh, during the early service. And especially throughout the 21 days of prayer. We love when you write in prayer requests. Because we have people every night of the 21 days who pray over those cards individually. They want to just believe in God with you. They want to begin to lift your prayer before his throne. And so we have that opportunity as a church and we love that. But here's what I've noticed. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. But that is that people who ask for prayer, myself included, oftentimes we ask for things that directly impact us or the people that we love. Oftentimes, if we pray, we're asking, and sometimes it's maybe twice removed, my friend's friend, but usually it's someone close to us that's being impacted. It's, God, would you do this for me? God, would you heal my cousin? God, would you help me get that job? God, would you, you get me into that school? God, would you do this? Or God, would you do that? And absolutely and completely, don't mishear me today, we should continue to pray those prayers. But what if, in addition to those prayers, instead of just praying, God, would you do this for me? We would pray a prayer, God, what can I do for you? God, what would you like me to do for you? What's your plan? What are you asking me to do? Instead of just do this, God, would you bless me, God? Would you keep me safe, Lord? If we begin to pray prayers of availability, and so often it's a forgotten prayer. Because let me tell you, when you pray this prayer, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. God could ask you to move to a different city. God could ask you to reveal a calling maybe in your life that you had no idea was there. God could ask you to stay somewhere when you thought you were really, really supposed to go. God could ask a lot of different things of you. God has these things that he may ask of you when you pray this forgotten prayer. God may ask you to break up with someone and has an upgrade for you. Come on, somebody. You just believe God for that. God may have these things he asks you of and leads you to something. He might move you in different ways. And so when we pray these prayers, in week one, we prayed, search me, O God. We asked him to look for things, any wicked way in me. Last week, we said, speak to me, Lord. I want to hear what you have to say to me. Today, we're going to pray a prayer of availability. And I just want you to know, I don't know what God may ask you to do. He may move you from being a cat person to being a dog person. Come on, somebody. He may, he may just work on your heart. You have no idea what God may ask of you to do. But it's a forgotten prayer we're going to learn today. Now, all throughout Scripture, if you read the Old Testament or the New Testament, you will see that God calls people. 
God calls people to things. That doesn't mean your phone rings. That means God has a calling, a purpose for something for you to do. It means that all throughout Scripture, God prompts people. He encourages people. He moves people around. He brings words to people to encourage, to bring truth, to speak, to move, to do things. All throughout Scripture, God calls people. God will call people, those who love him, to do the things that he wants done. He'll call those who are open to him to do the things that he wants done. And there are different responses to God's call. And we see them all throughout Scripture. You may have seen them in your own life. But I want to look at a few of the responses that are to God's call that we see throughout Scripture. A few responses to him. First one, if you're taking notes, you can jot it down. First one is Jonah. Jonah's response to God's call was, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. And you may say, that's a very spiritual response. This was Jonah's response. Here I am, O Lord. I understand what you're telling me to do, but I'm not going. Some of you can relate to this answer to God's call in your life. Jonah chapter 1. It says, God came to the word of the Lord to Jonah. And he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But watch this. What's Jonah's response? But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Here's Jonah, the prophet of God. The Lord comes to him, prompts him to do something. And Jonah's response is, here I am, O Lord. I hear what you're saying. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going. I wonder how many of you have had this response to God's call. Where God came to you and said, here, and you said, I know I'm prompted. I feel prompted to do something. I know I'm supposed to reach out and do that. I know I'm supposed to help. I know I'm supposed to do that, but not today, oh Lord, I'm not going. In fact, I'm haunted by times in my own life, times that stick out to me. There's many more, but there are a few that stick in my memory where I didn't do what I felt prompted to do. Like one time I was standing in the grocery line, just standing, you know, in the longest line, because I tend to pick those for some reason. It's just the curse I have. I'm standing in line. I've got my, my Cheetos and my Little Debbies and my Nutella, whatever it is I've got, right? How many you know single in your 20s, you eat some weird stuff. So I'm sitting in line, and the person in front of me, it's a young mom, and she's got her kid with her, and she can't seem to get the little SNAP benefit card to work. And so I'm just standing behind her watching. She's kind of fumbling with it, and the cashier doesn't really know how to do it. And so it's not working, and so she's digging in her purse to find cash to pay for it. I just felt prompted. I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to pay for her groceries. It wasn't a big card of anything. It was just real small. And I was prompted. I'm supposed to do that. Not my junk food I've got in my card. I'm supposed to pay for her groceries. And I felt that in my, I don't know if it was the Lord moving me or human decency. I don't know which one was moving, but I felt like I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to do something. And I just stood there thinking, I'm supposed to do something. And she's fumbling around in the purse, and I'm just standing there thinking, until I'm embarrassed to say she finally pulled out the cash, paid for it, and left. And then I paid for my stuff, and I didn't do what God called me to do. Not big things, but when I feel the prompting, and I remember that. And I wonder how many of you have moments like that. I guarantee if you're a follower of Jesus, there are times where you felt a prompting. You felt something, you felt, I'm supposed to do this. I'm prompted to do this. And I guarantee you have a moment where you did not do it. It's the cry of Jonah. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going. The second one is Moses. And this is what Moses said. He said, here I am, Lord. Send someone else. Jonah, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. Moses, here I am, Lord. Send someone else. Here I am, Lord. Send my brother. How many of you have prayed that before? This is just a prayer we have. Here I am, Lord. I'm not the right person for the job. Lord, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you need done, but it's not me that needs to do it. How many times have we said that? I'm not going to give anything to them. They should give something. They have more money than I do. They should give to the poor. I'm not going to do anything about that needy person. I'm not going to go there. I don't have time to go there. She should go there. She's a stay-at-home mom. She has all the time. And she should go to there, which all the stay-at-home moms come out with a knife, right? And 
no makeup on and messy hair and say, you have no idea what we go through. But we pray this prayer. He should go and do that. She should do that. Here I am, Lord. Send someone else. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, God spoke to him. Now go, he said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now this came to Moses. This is something Moses would have agreed needed to be done. But watch Moses' response. Moses, I heard the voice of the Lord. uh, Back to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I, O Lord, that you should send me? Here I am, O God. Here I am, waiting to hear, and I hear from you now, and I agree it needs to be done, but I'm not the right person for the job. This isn't my exact calling. This isn't the exact thing that I'm supposed to do. So easy for us to come up with excuses to have these responses. Jonah, here I am, O Lord. I'm not going. Moses, here I am. Send someone else. And Isaiah prays, however, a very forgotten prayer. Isaiah prays a very forgotten, and this is the prayer I want us to pray in week three. This is where I want us to put our focus. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, it says, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I want you to notice what Isaiah says in response back to God. Before I read it, I want you to notice what he does not say. Because God comes to him, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Isaiah. And I want you to hear what he does not say. You don't hear Isaiah say, and where will you be sending me, O Lord? Where exactly is this assignment? How, how good are the benefits of this assignment, O Lord? Is the weather nice? Is the climate nice where you are sending me? Is it, is it set up for me, O God? Is, is this what I need to do? How much vacation do I get? Right? He didn't ask for any of that. Isaiah, what he simply said is he signs a blank contract before God. Let's read it. He prays this prayer. And Isaiah, in, chapter, in verse 8, he prays this prayer. And he says, here am I, O Lord. Send me. You have Jonah saying, here I am, O Lord, I'm not going. You have Moses saying, here I am, O Lord, send someone else. But then you have Isaiah praying this very forgotten prayer. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And I don't need to tell you this is a forgotten prayer. And I just want to encourage you this week, like we've done each one, I want to encourage you to pray this this week, seven days, maybe beyond that, but at least seven days. And I've been trying as I've prepared for this Sunday, every day to pray some version of this. Here I am, God. I want to build your kingdom. God, give me opportunities. God, give me, give me divine intersections with people, Lord. Send me people in my path, Lord. Open my eyes to see the hurting. Prompt me in ways, God. Here I am. Send me. And I would dare you. I'm just motivating you today. If you would, to work this into your prayer life every morning. Here I am, God, send me. Here I am. I give you permission to interrupt my day, Lord. I know that I've got lots of stuff I want to get accomplished. But in the middle of it, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want, wherever you want, to whoever you want. If you want me to speak, Lord, I'll speak. If you want me to go, Lord, I'll go. If you want me just to stay and pray, God, I'll stay and pray. Whatever it is you want me to do, you want me to encourage, you want me to speak truth. Whatever it is, God, I'll do. Here I am, send me. Forgotten prayer, because when you start to pray this, I guarantee you God is going to interrupt you. When you actually pray this in a genuine way, not just puffy words, not just because the pastor told me to. When you pray in a genuine way, here I am, God, send me. I promise you the Lord will interrupt you. That God will send you people across your path and you'll begin to pray, oh Lord, (laughs) clear my schedule, oh Lord. God will send you people. And when you begin to pray this forgotten prayer, when you pray that, I promise you God has things for you to do. That God has things planned for you to do, the Bible says, in advance already. We have to pray a prayer of availability. Here I am, Lord. Put my schedule to the side. Send me. 
So how do we get there? How do we get this kind of attitude before God, this kind of full submission before him? I want to kind of address that this morning in the few minutes we have and how we can prepare our hearts to truly pray this prayer. And like I said, to genuinely pray it. Not not to have, again, these words that we just say repetitious, not to have these things that someone else told us would be a good thing for us to pray, but genuinely pray a prayer of submission. How do we prepare our hearts for that? And I want to look at the verses leading up to. We we read Isaiah 6, 8. I want to look at the verses leading up to this prayer that Isaiah prays just to show how it happened in his life and maybe motivate us in a similar way for God to speak to us. Motivate us to pray this forgotten prayer. If you're taking notes, I'll help you jot it down. Number one, you need to experience the presence of God. Before you get to the point where you can say, God, send me, here I am, I'm totally submitted to you, I'm surrendered. Before you can pray that prayer, you need to be and experience the presence of God. You need to have a genuine experience. Verse 1 says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is just seven verses before Isaiah prays this forgotten prayer. It says he saw the Lord. And the verses after it begin to describe the seraphim, these angelic beings he sees surrounding the throne. They begin to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah gets this picture. He's in the presence of God and he sees the throne. He sees the angels crying out, holy, holy. He's in the presence of God. He experiences the glory of God. And I want you to see this in chapter 6. It transforms who Isaiah is. And you'll see his response in just a moment, but it transforms who he is. He's in the presence of God. Why would we not be submitted to God? Why why would you not be in a place of total surrender? I might submit to you that it may be because you haven't experienced his presence in a while. That maybe you've had a long time before you actually sought the presence of God. That you've been kind of doing life on your own. You figure, I've kind of got this and I don't really need the presence of God to make it happen. And too often times we kind of get into a rut where we feel like I can make some things happen. I can make some things go. I can be successful at a few things. I've been talented enough. I can make this thing go without the presence of God. Let me tell you, that is a fallacy every second of the way. That none of this goes without the presence of God. We need to experience his presence. In fact, I'll tell you a story that's incredibly meaningful to me. And it may motivate you to seek God's presence in your own life. But there have been times in the last five or six years actually in the last 10 years or so, but especially in the last year, there have been times that people have asked me, Ben, have you ever thought about quitting the ministry? Have you ever thought about quitting victory? Have you ever thought about just kind of stepping away and just leaving all of that? And I just want you to know, never ever have I thought about quitting, all right, everybody? But there have been times where I didn't think I would make it, all right, everybody? There's just times that I didn't feel, and I appreciate you laughing at my pain, all right? So I just, God bless you all. But there have been times where I didn't think all of you have those moments. We have those. And I don't want to be like, wow, wow, my life is hard because all of you have crazy lives. But there have been moments where we thought, I don't think I can keep going at what we're doing. And there was a time like that a few years ago for me where I just I had preached a Sunday and I had to get in the truck and make a long drive to deal with just one of those situations that comes up. One of those things that just happens. And it was a longer drive. And so I thought what I'm going to do, it's going to be kind of late at night. What I'm going to do is get in the truck. I'm going to put on some worship music. And I'm just going to seek God's face. I was empty. I was drained. It was kind of, I was just, oh, I was like, I'm going to set aside this time. Because let me tell you, everybody, you can preach a sermon and minister to people and still not set aside time in the presence of God. I don't know if you know that or not. I don't speak to somebody. I don't know. But I just decided I'm going to set aside this time. And so I start driving and the miles are kind of going by. And so I just start talking to God. I just put on the music. I'm just going to talk to him. I'm going to have my list of things that we all have. And I'm going to pray. And a little bit later, longer, then I'm, I'm calling out to God. 
I'm just calling out those things. And all of a sudden, a song came on that has since been very meaningful to me and just started to play. And I found myself, I was crying out to God. I was past the talking phase. I was past the calling out. I was crying out to God. And I'm not a touchy-feely feely kind of person in any type of way. But when I tell you the presence of God was so real in that moment to me. So real in that moment in that truck right then. So real to me that I was empty and I was drained. But every breath I felt I was taking, God was speaking and encouraging me. And loving me and strengthening me. And building me up. And speaking to me and saying, I have chosen you and I've called you. And I'm, I'm on you. And I just want you to know that every single one of us can experience that. The presence of God, as real as I am today, the presence of God. Now, to finish that story, I didn't even notice, but in my prayer time, the speed of my truck was accelerating every mile that I was praying. And so about a few moments later, after that incredible moment of the presence of God, I blew past a cop at about 95 miles an hour, everybody. Just on and so I'm, I look at my rearview mirror and his lights come on. Woo, woo, right? He pulls out after me. And about five seconds later, his lights go off. Come on, somebody. I prayed a prayer. I don't know if there were bigger fish to fry. I don't know what it was. But I prayed a prayer of Thanksgiving all the way to my destination. And then a, a few hours later, my wife sent me uh, a text with a prayer and a verse, just the situation we were dealing with. And I texted back, you have no idea how close to God I feel right now. I just feel just, I could rob a bank. I don't know what I just, I feel so close in this moment. I'm just in the, the presence of God. Come on, somebody, come back with me. We're coming back to this moment. And you may say, well, I've never had that happen. I, I've never experienced that. I would promise you that for every follower of Jesus Christ, this is available to you. I would promise you that the presence of God, so real in that moment, comforting and loving, it's available to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. God wants you to experience his presence. The Bible says you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. It's available to you. That presence of God, that experience of God, we have to experience it. You don't have to go 95 miles an hour on the interstate to experience it, everybody. You might feel closer to heaven, but that won't help you experience the presence of God. It could be in your office. You put on a worship song and you just know that God is there encouraging, loving. That God is there speaking to you, that his presence is with you. It could be at night when you're praying with your little four-year-old. A good night prayer, you realize God is in the room. God's presence is here. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. God is speaking that his experience, his presence is with you. Why might we not be as available to the Lord as we should be? It might be because we haven't sought his presence in a while. It might be that we haven't spent time in his presence. It might be we kind of just took the reins of our life and said, I can make this thing go. We're not as surrendered as we should be. It said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Had that experience. We need experience of the presence of God. The second thing we need, because remember Moses and Jonah also had the Lord speak to them, but they had different responses. Second thing we need is to become aware of your sinfulness. First thing is to experience the presence of God. And these go hand in hand. It did for Isaiah. So often these go hand in hand. Because as he experienced the presence of God, I want you to see what happens to him. Because I'm going to argue one of the biggest cultural lies that are being told right now is I am a good person. That we begin to say, I am a good, she is a good person, he is a good person. We're just, we're good people. I would tell you today that you are not a good person. That apart from Christ, you are an evil, wicked, vile person in the eyes of God. And then I would welcome you to victory where my job is to make you feel good about yourself. All right? That's just what, that's why I'm up here every Sunday, just to make you feel warm and cozy. You are wicked and vile in the eyes of God apart from Christ. Apart from him, we are nothing. We have to have an awareness of our own sinfulness. 
that we're evil, we're sinners. And it was when Isaiah saw the goodness of God that he recognized the badness of him. And I wrote that in there because I knew we'd have some English teachers with us today. All right, everybody. When he saw the goodness of God, he recognized the badness of him. That just felt good to say if it rolls off the tongue. He saw how holy God was. And in that moment, he recognized his own unrighteousness. He saw how holy the God that he served was in the presence of God. And he recognized, watch this in verse 5. And he cries out, woe to me, I am ruined. Another translation said, I'm broken. Another one says that I am, I'm done, I'm nothing, I'm pathetic, I'm a sinner. He's saying, I see a holy God and recognize I am unholy. I see a God who is righteous and recognize I am unrighteous. I see a God who's full of glory and I am full of sin. He sees a holy God and he recognizes his own sinfulness. We want to pray a prayer of surrender, a forgotten prayer of here I am, send me. We have to be in the presence of God. But to surrender, we have to recognize how sinful we actually are. And we come face to face with our sinfulness. He says, woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. What does it take to be fully surrendered? We have to experience the presence of God. We have to recognize our own sinfulness. And then number three this morning, we have to have a genuine realization of God's grace. We recognize our sinfulness. We spend time in his presence. We experience the presence of God. But we want to truly surrender to what he's calling us to do. We have to realize the depths and the beauty of God's grace. The grace that he extends to us. When you understand how amazing his grace is, it brings you to a place of surrender. Watch this in verse 6. Isaiah said, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Remember, he cried out, My unclean lips, my people that I live with with unclean lips. How can I stand before a holy God? He said, The seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And watch what happens. With it, he touched my mouth. And watch this. Here is the grace. Here is the grace extended to Isaiah. He said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What happened? He saw the presence of God. He recognized his own sin. He said, I'm ruined, a man of unclean lips. And then with one touch of the goodness of God, his sins were taken away and atoned for. You can only imagine this scene. And some of you, you've experienced this in your own life. Your unclean lips, forgiven. Your unclean heart, forgiven. Your lustful attitudes, forgiven. Your angry outbursts, forgiven. Every sin you committed, forgiven. Your secret sin that you've never told anybody about, but God sees every single one of them, forgiven. Completely forgiven. Removed as if it never happened. Says he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. When you confess your sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody might get excited today. I don't know when. But when you see the full surrender, when you see the full grace of God, when you see the utmost beautiful grace of God to us, you can't help but surrender. When you see the grace that's been extended to us, in the same way that coal touched Isaiah's lips, is the same way Jesus' blood covers over our sins. The same way it touched his lips and atoned for his sins, the same way is how the blood of Christ covers over our sins. The same way that he speaks a word to us, and when we recognize that we don't bring anything, but Jesus brings everything. When we recognize that in our own life, we see how sinful we are. But not that it drives us from a holy God, not that it causes us to run away from him, but it causes us to see the grace that's been extended to us. The grace that's been extended to us when we see our own sinfulness, but then we recognize the unmatched, incredible grace of the Lord. Our only reasonable 
our only reasonable response. The only thing we can do is to say, Lord, everything, whatever you want, anywhere you want me to go, anything you want me to do. When we see the grace that's been extended to us, our only reasonable response then is, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. One of the most forgotten prayers that you can pray. God, I'm all yours, anywhere, anytime, anything. And this isn't like, well, gosh, I just got to pray that because the preacher told me to pray that. I think it'd be really important. No, this is I get to. This is what a grace I've been shown. Now I get to serve him. Now I get to reach out. Now I get to do this because, the, because Jesus died for my sins. I get to serve him. Because of the love that Christ has shown us, we then get to reciprocate. This is not doing something because it's just been burned into our memory. It's not doing something because someone told you it'd be a good idea. This is doing something because of the grace we've been shown. How great a mercy has been lavished upon us. How great a grace he's given to us. This is beginning to say, I get to wake up and spend this day that God has made. I, I get to go out and minister to people. I get to use the gifts and the callings that God has put into my life. This is us saying, Lord, I want to do things that you want me to do. Just crying out, here I am, send me. I get to have an opportunity to minister to people. Today, there's going to be people who come across my path who need encouragement, and I have encouragement from the Lord to give them. There's going to be people who come across my path who have a need, and I have what they need to give them. People who come across my path who need the truth, and I have the truth to give them. There are people who God is going to send us. And watch this. The more that we are faithful to do what he has called us to do, the more he will use us to do what he's called us to do. The Bible says those who are faithful in little, God will place with much. You say, well, why is God trusting that person with so much? Why did God move them in that position? Why is he trusting them? Because they were faithful in the little. They were faithful to do what God called them to do at the very first step. And then God began to add to that. Those who are faithful in little, he'll put faithful with much. And here's the cool thing. This isn't a one-time decision. This isn't a one-time thing that I'm just going to decide. This isn't, well, back in 2002, I prayed a prayer and I surrendered everything then. And so I, no, this isn't a one-time. This is a daily decision. A daily decision to pray, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm surrendered. A daily decision. The reason it's daily is because if you've been born into God's family, in other words, if you've called on Jesus, you've been transformed, at that moment, your spirit came alive. At that moment, your spirit came alive. And from that moment on, there was a war going on inside of you. Because the Bible talks about there are two parts to you. There's your flesh. And that's not your skin. That's your selfish desires. That's your flesh. That's the nature. That's the selfish part of you. And then there is your spirit. And the flesh part of you is the selfish desires. That's the part of you that says, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. That's the part of you that says, here I am, Lord. Send somebody else. I'm too important. Here I am, Lord. I don't have time for that. That's the flesh part of us. And it's at war with the spirit part. of the spirit part of you says, here I am, God, send me. Here I am, Lord, interrupt my day. Here I am, God, I want to reach out and be your hands and feet in the world. That's the spirit part of us. And your flesh is at war with your spirit. And you say, well, how do I decide which one of those? It's very simple. The one that we feed lives and the one that we starve dies. The flesh part of you is trying to say, no, 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 Lord, I can't do that. I'm too important. I don't have the time, God. I just don't have the right gifting. That's the flesh part of you. And the more that we say, gimme, 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 the more we say, I'm just in this to get my own thing. The more that we say, well, I know about Jesus and I, I've got my eternity secure and so I'm not going to do anything else about it. I don't really have to do anything. The more we do that, the more selfish we do that, the more we feed our flesh. But the more we begin to pray, here I am, Lord, send me. 
Here I am, God, fully surrendered. I don't care where, I don't care what. Whatever it is you want me to do, God, I'm surrendered. The more we pray that, the more we feed our spirit. The more we say, I'm going to spend time in your presence, I'm going to read your word. The more I'm going to spend time and experience the presence of God. The more I'm going to listen to your voice so I learn to distinguish it from the shouting of the crowd. The more I learn and the more I spend with you, that's feeding your spirit. That we can cry out, Lord, here I am, send me. I'm growing spiritually. And you're recognizing I'm available. The more you spend in the presence of God, the more you cry out to him, the more you feed your spirit, the more you recognize I'm available, God, anything you want. Whatever it is, Lord, anywhere, anytime, the answer is yes. Whoever it is, God, whether I hate them or whether I love them, whatever it is you call me to do, the answer is yes. Whether I'm at odds and I disagree with them ideologically, whether I disagree with them politically, whether I disagree with them religiously, God, if you've called me to reach them, the answer is yes. Lord, if you brought them across my path, God, I'm going to be your light in this world. I'm going to be the hands and the feet of Christ. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be the one that reaches them because you've called me to it. Whatever it is, Lord, the answer is, yeah, and you find yourself surrendered to him. And I guarantee you, as you answer in those little things, you say, well, it wasn't a big thing. You bought lunch for a single mom with three kids. And you say, well, that wasn't that big of a thing. But she would say that's a big thing. God would say that's a big thing because you did what he called you to do. You were faithful in the little things. Faithful, faithful, faithful. I promise you, if you're faithful in the little things day after day, you'll wake up one day and realize the little things were the big things that God was calling you to do, that God had for you, that God was asking you to do in this world. Our response to that, our response is, Lord, as you give me these things, God, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be surrendered. I'm going to experience the presence of God. We're aware of our sinfulness. We experience the glory of a God who forgives us. And we see the grace. Our response is then I get to. I get to do this. I get to reach out. I get to use my giftings, Lord. You place me at the precise time in history where I can give your name the most glory. So I'm going to. You, you put me at this part where you knew that I could give you the most glory. You placed me in that position. You put me in that season. You brought me to those people. You did those things, God, so I could give the most glory to your name. And so I get to do that. That's our response. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And so I would just close with this question. Why is it that more followers of Jesus don't pray this prayer? Why is it such a forgotten prayer? It may be because we just didn't know about it. We just didn't know that this was a prayer that we could be praying. But I'm convinced, and this is something, again, I can't prove this, but just from observation, I would say it might be because we may be a little bit afraid of what God may tell us to do. We might have just a little bit of twinge, myself included. We might just be a little scared of what God may ask you to do. I'm just convinced that some people think, well, God's going to say, go live in the jungle, sell all of your belongings, and never use a toilet for the rest of your life. I just feel like that's just what people expect God to say. And here's what I need you to know. When you pray this prayer, he may say that. He may send you to the jungle, but it's more likely that God's going to call you to be a missionary in the place where you work. Because that's holy too. It's more likely that God's going to call you to be a missionary to the people he's already placed around you. Some of you are thinking about the people that you work with and you're like, oh, Lord, send me to the jungle. Just send me as a missionary. Oh, Lord, I just, I'll pray the prayer. I'll pray right now, oh, Lord, just send me out of that place. God may call you to reach those people. I guarantee you God has you where he wants you to be for a reason. 
And that person that just flashed into your mind, God may have you as the only person that's going to reach them. You may be the only person that's supposed to reach them. It's more likely he's going to call you to serve the people he's already, to be faithful what he's already given you. A lot of times people go, well, God's going to call me to la, 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 big, big, big. He's calling you to be faithful. He's calling you to be faithful to the ones around you. Oftentimes God's going to call you to stop and listen to somebody who's hurting. When you had a million other things that you could do, but God's going to call you to sit there and hear what they're doing because you're the only one who can show the love of Jesus to them. God's going to call you to encourage somebody, to reach out, to give something to somebody who's in need. God may call you to do these things and you say, well, I just doesn't feel big enough to me. Faithful in the little things. Faithful in much. Faithful in the little things. Then we begin to cry out, God, wherever you want to send me. And God's going to prompt you. I promise you, if you pray this prayer, full surrender, in genuine heart, not because someone told you to, you pray this prayer and surrender, God, anywhere, anytime, I promise you, he will give you promptings. That the Holy Spirit will prompt you to reach out and to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. He may prompt you to serve. He may call you to give to someone who's in need. He may call you to reach out and encourage, to speak truth. He may call you to serve at church. He may call you to serve in the two-year-old room, which is like the jungle because they don't poop in toilets anyway. So it's just... He may call you, God may call you to so many different things. All I can guarantee you is he is calling you. That he does have things for you to accomplish in this world. So we have to position ourselves. We have to position ourselves. God, whatever it is, he may call you to foster. He may call you to start a small group. He may call you to reach out to that person. Nobody else cares to reach out to. He may call you to something, but I guarantee you he has called you. And we got to pray this prayer of surrender. That says, Lord, here am I. Anywhere, anytime, God, anything you ask of me, the answer is yes. How do we get to the place where we have the courage to pray this forgotten prayer? Experience the presence of God. We can never, ever stop seeking his presence. We recognize our own sinfulness, but not to drive us from God, but to draw us to him. Because we realize his grace. We realize how incredible the grace of God is to us. And when that happens, you don't try to, you get to. When that happens, when you really get a glimpse of what his grace has been to us, what he's forgiven us of. When you see how great his mercy is, you don't have to, you get to. Some people will still pray that prayer. Here I am, God, I'm not going. Some people will pray the prayer. Here I am, Lord, send somebody else. But we're going to be different. We're going to experience the presence. We're going to see our own sinfulness, but we're going to see the God who forgives us of our sins. We're going to be different because we're going to pray, here I am, Lord. Send me. Every head bowed, every eye closed today as we end this service. I just want to pray that we would position ourselves to be fully surrendered. That we wouldn't let another day go by that our schedule takes dominance over everything in our life. We wouldn't let another day go by that we wouldn't seek the presence of God. We wouldn't let anything go by without making the daily choice to say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Father, we pray today. Father, I asked you, Father. God, let this be a turning point for so many of us. That to this point, Lord, maybe we prayed prayers of selfishness, God. Maybe we prayed prayers that were self-centered. But Lord, today we ask you, position us, Lord, to be surrendered to you. 
to say everything you placed in our hands is a gift from you anyway, so we want to use it to the fullness that you have called us to. Every position of authority, God, every, every job, Lord, every school, God, every place you have put us with our classmates, with our coworkers, Lord. Lord, you have placed us there for a reason. You've called us, Lord. We ask you in this moment, God, we're open. And we pray this forgotten prayer. Here we are, Lord, send us. Here we are, Lord, use us. We pray it today, God, in Jesus' name. There's some of you today, every head's still bowed, but some of you came today or you're watching online or wherever it is, and this is just how it happens, but in the presence of God, as you begin to experience His presence, you recognize that you've done some things that are wrong in the eyes of God. The Bible talks about that, that God is drawing hearts, that God is prompting, and you recognize today, you just realize that you're far from Him. You realize that maybe you've walked away from Him, maybe you never had a relationship with Him, but right now in this moment, In the presence of God, right now in that moment, you're realizing that I'm far from God. That I've sinned against a holy God, that I'm not clean. And here's the beauty of God's grace. Here is the beauty of the grace that Jesus Christ has shown to us. It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that when we get ourselves clean and we washed ourselves off enough and we quit all the things that we were doing and we did all, and while we did all of that and we finally crawled our way back to God and we had cleaned ourselves enough, that's when he accepted us. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the beauty of the grace of God. That he didn't leave us in our sin, that he didn't leave us in our own self-destruction. But it says that the Father sent his only son, Jesus, To live as one of us. A pure and spotless life. And then to go and die a brutal death on a cross. So that his blood could cover over our sins. That he could be the offering. He could be the sacrifice that we were supposed to be. That he would pay the price for the sins that we had committed. But then he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And it says so that anyone, that includes you, anyone, could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. It's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news of God, that we can be saved from our sins, that Jesus paid the price. And so if that's you today, if you say, I find myself this morning, whether you're in the room right now or you're watching online, wherever it is, you say, I find myself far from him, or maybe you say, I walked away from him. I want you to know there is a second chance. I want you to know that God still wants you. I don't care what anybody else ever told you. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. I want you to know God still loves you and he still wants you. So if you say, I want that today, I want to surrender to him. I want you to know it starts with a prayer of surrender. It'd be my honor to help you to pray that today. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not making you stand. This isn't, I'm not in this to embarrass you. There are other times to go public with your faith. We would love to baptize you. But in this moment, this is between you and your Savior. If you say, I want to pray that prayer, I can give you the words. You have to pray it and you have to mean it. 
So come on, church, right now, we're going to pray this prayer. No one prays alone. If that's you, I want you to say this prayer with us. I want you to mean it in your heart. Just say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate for those who made that decision today?